Hello everyone and you are very welcome to a new episode of the Irish NFL show. It is the Divisional Round Preview and it's sponsored by Cassidy Travel. I am Christina. We are missing Cala tonight and also Mark. Um, but we do have Brian and Colin with us here. And while we're talking about Mark, we've had a message in from the Pats Nation crew who are missing Mark and are wondering about his safety after yesterday. We've heard reports that he's dazed and confused after appearing at the Levi Stadium wearing a 49ers jersey. And the Pats Nation's team has asked to contact them using the hashtag Pats Nation or hashtag TB12Love with any information you may have about Mark. So, without further ado, let's get on to this weekend of amazing football that we witnessed. Brian, talk us through Saturday night's first game, which was obviously the Jags against the Chiefs. Christine, you said it was the preview show. I wish it was the bloody preview show. And <laughs> we wouldn't be where we are today after what I saw on Saturday night. But anyway, we'll get to that one in a minute. Um, Chiefs game. I said it before to 20. It was 27-20. It wasn't far off on the G- on the Jags uh, number. Look, the Chiefs kicked off like we thought they would. They had the week off. 4C, come out all guns blazing. Mahomes looked on fire. Kelsey looked unstoppable. Caldwell was playing zone, which was essentially perfect for the Chiefs. It allows Kelsey to get in these lovely positions and immediately the connection is there between the boat and hands. I know the Jags re, you know, responded very well with the touchdown, which immediately went Cork. But um, then obviously the whole the landscape of the game changed with, with Mahomes' injury. And I know we're going to get into a little bit of talk around this weekend's games later in the show. But I mean, the whole game changed there. And I thought there's a sense, and I think even more so, as a day of got on and the Jags fans really take a step back and really look at this game as a whole and even Jags, you know, coaches staff, it's one that got away because I couldn't understand the mindset in the second half where they didn't really continuously blitz. I thought they would have went after Mahomes quite extensively because why wouldn't you? You know, if you it's a make or break type of game, you don't get the result, you're out for the season and then you have to lick your wounds for six or seven months. You know, with Mahomes' injury, high ankle sprain, Colin was right on Saturday evening, he put up on Socially, he put up on air group to Andy Reid was doing him as a service by taking him out of the game. But um, I, I don't know about this, like they say he went in at half time and he did all the checks, he couldn't back. He's, it's been confirmed as a high ankle sprain, he shouldn't have played in the second half. We understand the, re- the reasons why he did it. Ken, same scenario for them, the Lewis season is over. But it's a, for me, I thought the Jags had really kind of should have won this game. It's just, it was a great opportunity with Mahomes' injury. And, uh, yeah, Henny came in and had that great drive. But, yeah, even with that drive, that was more run-orientated. They allowed the run game to go up and down the field on him in that drive. Henny, 5-7, 23 yards. That's kind of washed away by the fact that he threw the touchdown to Kelsey. But even around that drive, they didn't really adjust. They continued to play zone. I thought they would have went man-to-man and made Henny try beat him. It made it very easy for him on that drive. Chiefs do achieve what they always do. They find ways to win this game. But uh, I think the biggest question mark and it'll probably be the biggest conversation this week, and it really shouldn't be. It really should be about two great quarterbacks going up against each other in a great championship game, a repeat of last year's game, and whether the Chiefs can finally break this hoodoo, which the Bengals have had over them. But unfortunately, I think it's going to be on about Mahomes and this injury leading into him all week long. You know what? You've actually just touched on that, and the same injury happened to Mahomes in 2019, and Andy Reid did come out this afternoon and did say that Mahomes will play. He's been working on his injury um, so far today and he's adamant that he's going to play and it's nowhere near as bad as last year. Colm, what was your thoughts on this? To me, I, I can see, I suppose, in ways what 
Brian is talking about in, in a missed opportunity. But it, and although the score was close, I never felt the Jags were really in this. It felt the Chiefs always had it. And even with Mahomes out, like, and Andy Reid, I mean, Brian talks uh, rightly about the 98-yard play. And, and that, to me, was, was just an example of Reid's genius. It was also an example of, I, I think, where the Jags made huge errors, right? Because... Um, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday morning, Christina. Travis Kelsey is the Chiefs' most potent weapon. And go back and watch that play. He is in acres of space. I mean, that he had the type of space that the Cowboys were hoping they were going to get on that final play. He could have lateraled it if he wanted to. Um, but that was that was telling. And to me, that was the mistake. The, and and Bird has touched on that as well. But that, I would take away... Travis Kelsey take away their most potent weapon. And yeah, if they go uh, to Valdez Scantling, if they go to, to Juju, if they go somewhere else, then um, that, you know, you live with it because ultimately you got beaten by somebody else. But you look at the way in which Pacheco was able to get yards on the ground. I think he was, uh, you know, he was averaging nine, nine yards. Um, it, it was kind of crazy his, his ability to, to do that. And just felt, I suppose, the Jags are, you know, I mean, what a year for them to turn around, to go from back-to-back first uh, number one overall picks to where they ended up. And being competitive, and I, I did expect them to to be competitive, but I think ultimately the Chiefs have, um, you know, a, a better roster, the more experienced team for, for that sort of situations, and ultimately that told in the end. Um, but... We are, what, a couple of weeks away from Calvin Ridley being able to apply to be reinstated. Uh, the the Jags have a QB who's still on a rookie deal. So I imagine, you know, they st- should still have money to, to put it around him. And they have a very, very competent head coach. So, you know, even where they are now in comparison to where they, you know, la- lost to the Patriots in 2018, um, I think they're in an infinitely better position. Um, but the the Chiefs are just, you know, they're so good at what they do. And in order to beat the Chiefs, you have to be at your very best. You have to hope, you know, you can exploit some weaknesses in the Chiefs and you have to have a bit of luck. Um, I, I think, and look, not, to, not that this impacted the outcome of the game, it didn't. But one of the reasons home field advantage tends to be so important is you do get more decisions. And the Chiefs did get more decisions than the the Jags the other night it didn't impact on the outcome of the game in the slightest but it is worth noting that is one of the reasons why you want home field advantage you get the crowd you get you know the the decisions they tend to to go your way but the Chiefs fifth straight home home like this is not even uh, like on the road this is the fifth straight home AFC game it is a phenomenal achievement uh, by Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes ever since he uh, came in and took over as starter, that has been the case. So, yeah, just um, oh, we'll, we'll discuss uh, the other games, but I think next week's game at uh, Arrowhead is going to be, or should be, uh, a brilliant game. Brian, you've got a point to add there. Yeah, it was just more so after the game, like all the scrutiny, all the talk around Mahomes and the injury, and then as well as that, and credits were given, and not a credit to Kelsey and the 18 catches, but what what I felt was going to gloss over was the importance of the Chiefs' defense because without that red zone fumble and then the immediate interception on the next drive, I mean they were turning points in the game. 
if points go in there, brings the Jags back into the game by three points, who knows what happens to him. So that's significant. And, and then just to touch on Colin's point around the referee, I do agree with him, and more so around the... Um, I don't think it was as bad as other games, but that game in particular. But again, this is back to what we spoke about when we had Dean Brandino on a couple of times during the off-season and off-season. There's the fact that come to playoffs, they tend to take different referees uh, from all the various different teams, you know, teams as in NFL refereeing teams that all play, have the same game each week, and they put them all together. And it's a bit muddled, and it doesn't seem to work. And for me, it's never worked. But yet the NFL continue, continue to do it, and I think at some stage they have to consider going and just using the structure of the of the regular season as opposed to swapping people out for having different refereeing teams. I love how you touched on that because these are supposed to be the best of the best within the league itself and we've questioned them every time over the last few weeks and even this season I don't recall a season where we haven't questioned the ref's decisions as much as what we have this year for sure but onwards and upwards and the Chiefs are going ahead so let's get on to brass tacks and Brian I'm sorry I'm really sorry to bring this one up but we do have to cover the Giants and the Eagles because the Eagles did roll the Giants with a 268 rush yards and they're on the way to the NFC Championship for Sorry, I know that wasn't in the notes, but I had to say it. Um, it really was a one-sided game. It was 38-7 to the Eagles. Um, this had put this one was really just blown away. I can't even say it anymore, Brian, because I just keep looking at you. Um, 28 unanswered points in the first half as they marched straight on. And Jalen Hurts was back looking really healthy, especially after that shoulder injury. I did question who do who what type of Jalen Hurts were we going to see? It was one of those big points I brought up. And wow, I was proven wrong. Cullum, can I get your thoughts first and we'll give it then to Brian for the full-on post-mortem. I mean, look, ultimately, um, a really good season for the heat that the Giants ends in, in disappointment. They they don't... they Brian Dable squeezed every last ounce, I think, out of the, the roster, but they ran into what is one of the, the best rosters in the entire league. And, and we're going to, you know, discuss obviously, um, you know, next week's uh, game in our uh, preview show later in the week. But I think mouthwatering to me that that game, I think the Eagles have, you know, people, and we discussed this yesterday a little bit, Christina, people kind of got a little bit carried away with a couple of meaningless losses towards the end of the season and kind of forgot what we had seen from the Eagles over the the course of the the previous eighty percent of the year. I did. I thought it was a really bad matchup as well for the Giants. I mean, the Eagles have four of the top five rushing games this year. Two of those came a- against the the Giants, and they have the ability to attack your weaknesses and exploit your weaknesses. And and ultimately, that's what it what it came down to. The Giants, we we know they've been kind of pulling guys off the the practice squad. They've been doing what they can. Um, But the Eagles, I talked about this, the Eagles can act, I suppose, for other teams who aren't in the playoffs. The Eagles can act as something of a template. You can turn the ship around pretty quickly. Sometimes you have to make really tough decisions in order to do that. Obviously, you need luck to go your way. Um, But the Eagles were in a right mess following their Super Bowl win. The wheels really came off with Carson Wentz, with Chuck Pedersen. They moved on, they uh, moved quickly, 
and look at look at them now and uh, no no uh, it, it won't matter how good that the 49ers are nobody is going to look forward to going in to Philadelphia to take on this Eagles team I think Conor has summed it up very well he made a lot of points that I was going to make that <clears throat> you know what's it, what's it was very confident the Giants winning last week against Minnesota I felt I said during the week I think even um, Frank Collins who was you know, on social media, I said we're into overachieving territory now, and like I didn't pick them, I didn't get carried away with it because I knew the reality of the situation was the Eagles are far superior. And Colin was right, and the model that he looked at, and Joe Shane referred to it to save him in his end of season press conference. It joins fans may not like it, but this is the model that we that most teams need to achieve and work towards, which is what the Eagles have done. The Giants are probably further down the road in which they thought they would be, and it's been a great season. But um, there's some negative stuff that's come out of the game after inside the room. The level of effort from some players on defence, which is probably a bit disingenuous and it's come across in a number of joint podcasts that they felt that the down tools of 14 now. I thought some teams were badly coached, which is kind of strange from the sign up, right? How good David has been that started the season, like deferring and giving them the ball. And whilst they've done that all season long, you're only giving them the, the advantage immediately if they score, go down and score a touchdown, second drive, going for it and Fourth and eight at the halfway line, that's a punt all day scenario. So I I have understood where he was coming come from and we have to be aggressive, we have to try and match these teams. But anyway, look I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking. It's a great win for the Eagles. I felt they would win. Um the only question mark like is after seeing what I said on the show last Thursday was which Eagles are we gonna see? Because it's a bit of an unknown quantity. Over the past month and Columns rightly ended it to meaningless losses. We saw the real Eagles on Saturday night, or look back to himself and it's going to be a massive test for the 49ers this weekend. 49ers have been bullying teams. I didn't. I don't think they bullied the Cowboys last night. Winner, we'll get to that game shortly. And I, I think it could be the opposite way around this weekend. Then who gets bullied? But um, be interesting to see. Great game out has come. Touched them. Two great championship games. But for the Giants to go back, lift their wounds. Still a lot of work to do for next season. But I think there's a reality check there. They've done well, but they're still way off the mark in terms of really competing to be in. They're really finishing line towards the end of the season. I, my thoughts and condolences with you, but I do think this is something that we've seen though as well this year is that Giants are really kind of getting themselves, they're building themselves up and they do want to challenge. And I think they're becoming more, you know, the, the challenger next year. It's something that you guys will work on, obviously, through the year as well, especially your offense. Right, let's get into it because last night we've seen some really good games um, in Buffalo. We were looking at the Bengals, at the Bills. It was a snowy one in Buffalo, um, which saw ice cool Joe Burrow with two drives from the get-go for the Bengals to get out on an early 14-0 lead. Joe Mixon couldn't be stopped in the run game. Burrow found the players um, open at ease at times. I think it's really cool about this game was that who day, the who day nation just silenced Bills Mafia at home. And if you look back and you listen to a lot of the game last night, you just keep hearing who they, who they. Brian, what was your thoughts on this game? I was one of the few, I think, that was confident on the Bengals and they came out, like, I know, came out all guns playing, like, the first drive was six plays, ten, touchdown. The second drive was ten plays, touchdown. And they had one thing as well, which the Bills didn't have and haven't had all season, which is a run game. And when you've got a run game, as good as Joe Burrow is, um, you've got a run game that can balance an offense. I mean, it got to the stage where the two safeties, the strong safety and, and the weak safety, didn't know whether it's a stick or a twist, and they were coming up 
trying to stop the run game and they still couldn't do that because Mixon was going and Pino in fairness they were going for an average of like 8.9 yards a run and it only allowed her just freed up Chase and it freed up Irwin who's had a really good season in the tight end and Hayden Horston early on in the game Boyd was injury and it went away but just to find so much space and for an offensive line that's been missing three players and even when on a park he's Cadus got injured during the game they had so much composure and so much time for Borough and it was quite the opposite on the other side Josh Allen wasn't getting much time he looked very frustrated throughout the course of the game there was a number of holes some that weren't given some that were like their offensive line really self-destructed last night and did no run game Allen I think only went for something the reason of 24 years they were very poor I don't know if the the last month in the Normandy what happened in that game which was called off got to them they didn't play very well against the Patriots and the following game they couldn't kind of got away with tapping with two special team touchdowns they were poor then in the playoff game against the, against the Dolphins and last night there was nothing there for them and the Bengals are the, are the hottest team in the NFL right now and you know if it's some game this weekend and you'd have to argue they should be the favourites they're not but they should be and um I think this is for the Bills, they're really going to have to go away, lick their wound, but I think they've got to get this run game sorted. It's just, it's they can't continue to rely on Josh Allen continuously came after game. And we spoke last week on the show about how they were really strong in the first quarter. They kind of muffled through the second and third quarter, came back strong in the fourth quarter. And it was again, it was just a disjointed offence last week despite the high points. And it was similar again last night. And I don't know, and, and again, maybe we're overreacting, but I don't know if all as well within the Bills camp because we saw Diggs and I'm not necessarily talking about last night's reaction at the end of the game but more so like it was a Thanksgiving day he was very animated on the sideline with the head coach and the head coach settled him down I know he gave a tough time to Cousins not Cousins sorry Case game when he was in Minnesota but I just think there's some stuff there that they have to clean up in this off season it, they'll probably see it as a missed opportunity but the Bengals completely dominate this game I don't think at any stage once they hit 14 he'll let anybody really Expect the Bills to come back and be strong and win the game. Colin, what was your thoughts? Uh, I'd echo a lot of what Brian ha- has said. I, 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 like, for me, the concern was the Bengals' O-line. And that, I, I just, I thought there, were, there was too much change there. I doubted them. I could not have been more wrong. Uh, was talking, uh, I think, to Dip the Bengals beforehand and was talking about the, the worry around uh, Mixon carrying the box. I, I said I knew that would be important. Um, now, he he was confident, but he said, don't have to worry. Even if we don't have a run game, we'll be fine. But they did have a run game. I mean, Brian has talked uh, about that, the, the difference that in that. And, and they ran the ball 34 times. And, the, you know, the, I think the Bills had 19 carries, maybe. Um, obviously they they were playing catch up, but consider like you had a guy making his his NFL debut. They were phenomenal. We, uh, you know, the vast majority of us. Um, Brian was in a, a small small minority of people. Um, who who picked the Bengals. Um, and the reason was not anything because we have seen. I talked about how special a flair Burrow is. Right? I just didn't believe in the light. I thought that the Bills, on offense, they looked like they were moving through treacle. Like everything was a struggle, even when they they were making up yards, everything was so so difficult. And on defense, the game plan was just terrible. It like it really really was. They um, Leslie Frazier called an awful game, 
And really, only Matt Milano um, was the only one to kind of come out of it with, with a huge amount of credit. If it hadn't been for him, um, you know, the game would have been, much, you know, score would have been much, much worse. For the Bills, you know, it's a season where I suppose, like, a lot of talk coming in around the 13 seconds. Then they go in, they they defeat the, the, the Chiefs. But after, you know, Vaughn's injury, everything kind of seemed to, and, and they, they were having to play away from home. And then there was the Demar Hamlin um, situation. And it was great to see him in the stands. But all of that t- takes toll. Um, and, and kind of, I suppose, I'm interested to see, do they make any changes? Or do they just try to, to run this back again? But I I think that they, they have to figure something out. Because um, the, it's going on a number of years now uh, without a run game. And last night, you saw the pressure that Josh Allen was under. Um, you saw that the, the Bengals did a great job in terms of what they called uh, in, in terms of defense. They brought up at uh, the D-backs. I think my uh, Mike Hinton had, was it five? Um, and he got he got to the QB four times on five pressures. I mean, that is phenomenal. And the right tackle for the Bills was in all sorts of trouble last night. Um, Josh Allen just didn't have time. Again, you saw certain decisions and, and Bengals fans and others talked about it, you know, sometimes, uh, again, playing at home. Um, but the, the the Bills got them. The, the, the fumble or what, you know, and, and obviously the, the touchdown. Um, but that's, again, playing at home. But the Bengals are that good um, that they were able to, to overcome all of, of that. So um, it, it's certainly mouthwatering in the, the AFC. And um, we'll come to the last game, but I think what we have a real situation this year where it is the four best teams remaining. I think that is very clear that these are not, you know, the, the semifinals truly are the four best teams in the NFL. Um, I just want to make a quick point on Zach Taylor because he has had his criticism and he was criticized after Super Bowl last year in terms of his play calling, but it's very evident. I mean, some of the coverage last night was great in terms of going into the dressing room you see him talking to all the players handing out the game balls but he came out in the press conference last night and he kind of alluded to the NFL and all the talk all week was around the amount of tickets sold for the potential game on the neutral venue in Atlanta and he said uh, I'm sorry to the NFL I keep seeing to screw I keep seem to be screwing up their plans um, to, to with all the useful people and then obviously we saw Joe Burris quite common to him having the issue the refunds it was all the talk throughout the course of the week I think a lot of the neutrals and wanted to see the Bills and Chiefs play each other again on a neutral site with a kind of a college type bowl type feel about it where all these games are playing on neutral menus but um, the Bengals have spoiled up that party and like right now if they were to win on Sunday and be in the Super Bowl two years in a row I wouldn't say I wouldn't call it a dynasty you're going to start winning the Super Bowls but like I don't think as, as good as and I don't know Colin picked them to go to play outside and as good as we thought they'd be towards the end back in the season I don't know if anybody really felt they'd still be strong enough to return to the Super Bowl. It's obviously, it's a big opportunity on Sunday for them, especially with the injury. And if they get there, you know, they're going to come up against a very strong, Niners are a very strong Eagles side, but it wouldn't be against the rounds of possibility that they could beat either of them on the day in Arizona. I want to get to an interesting question, which came in from Fred, um, who is a long-time list- watcher, viewer, listener of the show, and also a Dallas fan. And we're going to get to you soon, Fred, trust me. But he asked, Cullum, do you think the Bills are on a downward slope now? I think they, I think they, they need to um, 
make some some changes and tweaks. I think the last year the feeling was after that 13 seconds, you know, that was a bounce of the ball. That was a poor decision to go squib kick and and to give it up. But um, you know, I, I spoke to to Nate Geary uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he obviously covers the the Bills, and he was quite vocal last night that he thinks maybe it's time. Um, to to really look at um Leslie Frazier, uh, and, and but it's it's difficult because Leslie Frazier has been so good right in um the the regular season, but ultimately last year you know uh, against the the Chiefs when they needed to get the stop they didn't do it, and then in last night's game you had the Von Miller injury that definitely played an impact. They really struggled to get to the the QB without him, but once you get to the postseason. You have got to. I mean, look look at pretty much, you know, all all of these games um the over the past couple of days, sacks made such a difference when you consider what Frank Clark and uh, Chris Jones were able to do, what Hassan Reddick was able to do. We've talked about what the Bengals were were able to to do last night. They brought pressure in different ways. And obviously, look at the last game and we'll get to it, you two really strong defenses. I think that the Bills need to look at it and, and reassess. Um, but the problem that they have is this you're now in a situation where contracts, you know, start really the Josh Allen's contract really begins to to kick in. And we were looking at, at a I suppose a situation we've talked about this on the show previously. It is so, so difficult to win a Super Bowl when your quarterback accounts for more than about fifteen percent um of the cap. Once you get above that, that is a huge issue because it begins to, to eat into to what you can do. Um, and when you consider what quarterbacks are going for, you know, right now and the contracts they are getting, um, Patrick Mahomes' deal uh, seems all the sweeter for the, the Chiefs. But I, I do think that what the Bills need to do is th- they have to do something, right? I, I, I don't believe you can run it back. I don't think this was just a case of um, you know, missing Vaughn, I think that they, they need to freshen things up. Brian. Uh, just a column of point on, on the salary cap. I read a great quote today. Um, you can never overpay for great, but you'll always overpay for good. And that's ultimately where the problem is in this league. There's only a handful of really great quarterbacks. And, you know, those quarterbacks can be paid all the money in the world and they'll get you over to them. And they'll disguise a number of issues and as good as Josh Allen is he can disguise ultimately some of the biggest issues which they have even offensively in terms of our run game and stuff we'll see how they go in terms of when it comes to free agency and how aggressive they can be um, yeah look that's a valid one as well I called it out earlier in the season they caught him and kind of, kind of chuckled away at my comment around how quickly David was able to address the, the issues in terms of turnovers and fumbles with Josh uh, sorry with Daniel Jones and the numbers were very similar Josh Allen's fourth year table got hold of him Strangling life out of him. Josh Allen has gone back to um, a turnover machine this season. I don't know if he's trying to overdo it at times. I think he is. I think he feels the pressure and the enormity of having to try and win in Buffalo and it's led to some really poor decision making. I remember the Jets game which they lost, the Vikings game. Um, that will have to be looked at as well during the, during the soft season. It's interesting you mentioned that because we just had a comment in saying that Alan hasn't been the same since his injury and he's too much of a hero ball. Do you think that's why he's had so many turnovers this year? I think he's, I think he feels the, the 
I think the pressure is on him. I think I wouldn't say he's it's a one man show because they've got some great players in Diggs, Gabe Davis, Knox. They've got other players offensively, but um, like if Collins really called him, but the defense side of, side of things, which Nate Curie expressed his concern on. But if you're in games where your defense isn't helping you out, and and now teams to put up 24, 28, 29 points, you're in a position where you have to make sure you're putting up thirty four on average. And for a long time during the season, that was okay and it was working. But when you get to this time of year where you're playing the heavyweights. It's not going to continue. Like we saw a couple of years ago, they tried to go toe to toe with the Chiefs, and the championship came. They couldn't live with the Chiefs. So um, I, w- I, w- I just feel he he puts too much pressure on himself, and maybe the coach needs to address that as well because it's can't be on him. I I think Brian part of that is the the lack of the run game. Like if, if you can, you, he's constantly trying to force everything. Whereas again, when you consider. The, the rest of the, the teams who are left, you know, um, they they all, all obviously have great quarterbacks, but they all have the ability. The Chiefs, um, even with Mahomes injured, were able to get um, their run, run game going. And that's really important because your quarterback isn't going to be able to be lights out every single week. It doesn't matter who they are. And sometimes they, they need, even if it's a quarter or a half, to just get themselves sorted. But it has felt like, and I think Bernie is right, that Josh Allen has felt the weight of the world on his shoulders. And um, I suppose the more time went on, the more he has kind of the talk about team of destiny, um, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it, it's kind of weighed him down. And even, you know, the Bengals were able to to maybe rattle him a little bit. You saw Jesse Bates when he went in on the touchdown and he knocked the ball deliberately out of, out of his hands. Um I think Josh Allen um, is a fantastic quarterback. I think the gifts that he has and his ability to, to run the ball, you can harness those in, in really unique ways. But he cannot, nobody can do it all on their own. So a big off-season for the Bills. Brian, you were going to say something. I'm not going to interrupt you. No, I was like, on the trade deadline, they, they brought in Hines from the Colts and it was a kind of a cheap deal. But it was... Commonly known by on accounts that they reached out trying to make a deal with the Giants for Saquon Barkley, and I know it's easy for him to say that Barkley's had a great season, but imagine you had Barkley in that team in the, with the season he's had. Can you imagine the, the difference in which they'd have offensively throughout the course of the games? Because it wouldn't be on and on. Yeah, and I'm, I'm showing Barkley there because obviously he's he's their player, and they made it. They tried to make a push to get him, and potentially they still might make to get a push to get him because there's no guarantees he's going to be back with the Giants, but. Even if you took a, I know he broke his broke his half, his ankle last night. Tony Bollard. If you had a player like that in the team, it would make such a difference to that team. And ultimately, last night we have Mixon and you have Peter and they can do all that work for you. Um, and I know they're not the most consistent of running backs, but as Colin really called it earlier, they still have enough there to even with a combined one-two punch to take so much pressure off the Bengals. And the Bengals will need that again this Sunday when they go into Arrowhead. So. I wouldn't say they're running back away from being in the Super Bowl because they're such a great team, but it's just about balanced offense for me. So, I'm not going to ask any more questions about that game because I think we should move on to the last game, which was uh, very interesting. And Cowboys done what Cowboys done. There was that epic meltdown. Um, so it was another year where the Cowboys uh, will likely feel it was the one that got away yet again, holding the Niners um, to just 19 points for a field goal and a touchdown in the second half. 
Dak Prescott throws two interceptions at critical times, resulting in two field goals. Brock Purdy with two nice drives in the second half to put this game away. And I think what's really interesting is, again, it just goes to show how the team is built around Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan protects him. I don't think we've seen that stunner that we've seen the last few weeks last night, but they still got the job done. Brian, what was your thoughts on the game? If I was a Cowboys fan today, I'd be absolutely sick as a pig. I, like, where my team got completely hosed. The Cowboy, you touched on there, the failure's one is one that got away. Absolutely. Like, they held it. I know they haven't been the most explosive of offense with, with Brock Purdy, but they held them to 19 points at home. They were, their defense was very dominant in the game. You've got a scenario where Dak Prescott's thrown two interceptions. They're never about the force, and the force one is in, is in his own half. The defense still held their own and kept it to a field goal. But the second and Mike McCarthy's the one, he's not the fall guy because Terry Jones already come out and said he's like not going to be fired, but he's not the fall guy here. The, the offensive coordinator should be the fall guy because his play calling throughout the game baffled me. I mean, Pollard breaks his, breaks his, um, he goes off into, at that stage we didn't know what, how serious this, the injury looked like. It was just a high ankle sprint. But he didn't he didn't change the, the run game to kind of accommodate the fact that Pollard was, was gone. He, he, no, he was looking for an outside perimeter room from Zeke Elliott throughout the course of the game. Those days are gone with Zeke Elliott. He sent essentially he used to eat the bell cow to get to the extra two or three yards when you need a force down. But he, he didn't move away from that. It, when they were driving towards half time, I thought the play calling there was a bit bizarre. It's second and two. He goes for a throw instead of running the ball and trying to get a force down, which allows the clock to continue to move. So worst case scenario, if you don't score, you're not giving the ball back to the to the to the, to the fourteen runners before half time. And worst case you take the field goal and you go in a half time leading and you have a bit of momentum and you're getting the ball at the start of the second half instead he calls it kind of a, a cross or a route to throw and I know obviously the player has to make the catch and uh, Fred Warner came up with a great play on the deflection but why put yourself in that position because if you run it on the second two and you get the first down then you have a situation where the 49 have to potentially have to call a timeout if they want to get the ball back which then means the likelihood of them being able to go down the field and get the field goal which they nearly didn't get with Brock Porty and his one second left on the clock when he managed to get the ball now out of bounds. I just thought for a team that has so much potential, I think it's a disappointing end of a season when a game I thought the Cowboys really should have won. I didn't think the Fortuners played at the level we've seen this season. Defensively, of course of course they're gonna play well because it's such a great great unit, but again, just Dak has had so many turnovers and we spoke about um, Dak seemed to have corrected that last week in the playoffs and I felt maybe we turned the corner and what we saw towards the end of the season was more of a bit of inconsistency we would have seen a better Dak last night didn't materialise and I think gradually as the game went on the war sorry the fortune is war the Cowboys down I mean look at McCaffrey's numbers he didn't even go over 50 yards in rushing he had the touchdown but they relied on Mitchell at the end to get them over the line with the run game as opposed to bringing McCaffrey in I would be if I was an Eagles fan, I wouldn't have watched that game last night and be really nervous about playing the 14 on the and probably be a bit disingenuous because they are the two best teams, but I think the Eagles should be clear favourites for this game at the weekend. I think what's really interesting is that when you look at the Dallas, you always know that it's not just about history for them. Jerry Jones is big about his Super Bowls. He is all about Super Bowl. That's what he wants. And we're going to get to all these questions that are coming in in comments because I think there's some really valid ones here. I'm dying to get your thoughts on it for sure, especially about Dak and his future within that that team, within the league. 
Colm, how did you find this game? Because you weren't covering the Twitter. You had the time off to be able to sit down, watch it and really take it in. I felt, I suppose, look, the the best team won, um, but the Cowboys had opportunities. And, you know, Byrne has has covered off a lot of the points. Dak didn't didn't have a a, a good game. He'd had a a good game the, the previous week. Um, but the the Zeke, uh, you know, I think Zeke averaged uh, two two point six yards a, a carry. I mean, it's it's so far removed from um, the Zeke that we obviously saw in in his rookie uh, year. And you go back, and and I know Fred talks about the Dak contract, but the Zeke contract is just and and when they gave Zeke the the contract as well, and, and when it it kicked uh, kicked in, um, the I mean, this was for for the Niners. This this was the, running into a real uh, defense, um, and now they over they overcame it. That was the important thing. But I think in their previous four games, they'd scored thirty or, or more points, and then ran into um, a, a Cowboys defense that is serious business. Uh, but like you, you look at say, and and this is we were just having the talk. I suppose about the Bills and about contracts and the way it works, right? You look at what the Eagles have done in terms of um, putting weapons around Jalen Hurts. And this is a Cowboys team that had to let Amari Cooper go. And and that, I suppose, is, is something that, you know, that's that's the problem. Um, when those big contracts begin to kick in and then you have to, to make changes, you have to make sacrifices somewhere. And, and ultimately, that kind of costs them because, you know, if they... CD Lab... Um, you know, has has he he's he's good. He, I would kind of put him in that kind of um, Mike Williams type of category of maybe not elite, but he he's good. But after that, I mean, the the fall off um was enormous, and I don't know if either you saw it. Um, I you also saw it on the side like um the play and Dan Orlovsky did a piece on it today around um Dak and the Cowboys not understanding where the pressure was coming from and there was one point where he um you know threw uh right at cd lamb with fred warner um but the touchdown was there if he'd gone to, to t-boy um and, and that's that's an issue so there are there are i mean that you know dak there there are issues there right in terms of i think he is another qb who's trying a little bit too hard but like you had jerry jones giving the, the kicker a pep talk before but equally, you saw some um, gamesmanship for the 49ers. I don't know if people saw that video. They weren't allowing him to warm up. And I thought, like, if, I mean, go back. If that had been the 90s kind of um, Cowboys team, they would have been a pylon at that point. Um, and and I think that is a, a thing. Or or if the Cowboys had done that to the 49ers, I guarantee there, there would have been a pilot. If that had been the Chiefs, um, you know, so I think the the Cowboys have to to really look look at things. Um, I you know, Brad Brad has said Jerry says uh, Mike McCarthy's job is, is safe, and I think given what he's done, that probably makes sense. It doesn't make sense to me to to move on from him, but they certainly need to make tweaks. Then they they really can't do anything about Zeke's contract. They can't do anything about Dak's contract. So they need to find some weapons uh, to to put around it and. I've seen an awful for Tony Pollard to be just about to hit free agency. Um, he's been, you know, 
kind of the unenviable task of being really good, um, but because Jerry Jones is obsessed with Zeke not getting the recognition in Dallas, he's about to hit free agency, he's about to get paid. I really hope um, that he can bounce back quickly from the injury um, and that he gets a, a, a decent contract. Yeah, I was just going to make a point about Pollard because throughout the course of the season, many Cowboys fans and even some you know, have spoken about he really should be the number one running back there. And when it's the pressure coming from up above, as Colin was alluded to with Jerry, that no, let's continue with Zeke and kind of a justification in the money in which they paid Zeke as opposed to picking the right player. But this season, I think they've transitioned really effectively into making Pollard the number one running back. And that's what was disappointing because you haven't, like, you hear about in game adjustments by defences at half time, like the Bengals defence corner does it all season long and comes out in the second half, adjust to the situation. There was no adjustment to the situation last week when Pollard went there. It was like, that's the playbook and we'll just run that playbook. But that's only going to work if you have the right players on the field. If Pollard's not on the field, you have to, surely you have to have an alternative. Just like if a team loses out on a, a wider saber to injury, they find other ways of adapting and calling particular plays that's going to suit the players on the field. They didn't seem to do anything like that. It was like, We'll continue doing what we are. And uh, I just want to call out the Kittle catch because as as much as the 49ers were effective, and I, to me that was the deciding play in a way because that was, they seemed to be stumbling. They couldn't move the ball. The Niners, I mean, they weren't very effective in moving the ball for large parts of the game. And then that play was just kind of me. It was like a momentum change. It was a big swing. And obviously within that drive, they got a, a flag down on a hold on Kittle, you know, in the red zone, which allowed them to score a touchdown. That was a, a huge play. Like if the if the winners go out to win the Super Bowl, we have all these players and Conwell's calls out these legacy plays in the Super Bowls, but you look back at plays during the season, that would be the play that got them the got them the momentum swing to win this game and it'll probably go down and we're in the the history books of it if it turns out to be a Niners season to look back on. Great play with Kittle, how he held on to it and how he got it. I'm not sure what he, he did. I think we need to touch on this because, you know, Fred is a longtime Dallas um, supporter. I actually spoke with him about this over the weekend as well. Um, is Dak actually salvageable, guys, in your own thoughts? Oh, look, it's... Um, the problem is, if you look at the contracts around the league now, um, I think there's nine quarterbacks we saw last night on social that are in the 40 million bracket. And it never changes. It's just like it's a road and thing. The next person's up, obviously, to Sean Watson changed the scale of that there in the offseason with the guaranteed contract but obviously we're talking about players at certain levels um, the Cowboys were in a kind of a difficult situation because Dak had broke his leg the previous season they weren't sure how he was going to come back there was the franchise tag and he, he got the contract but it's like what Colin said earlier on where we're discussing the Josh Allen situation that's only going to work if you have the right players around you that can really step up and make the grade to make that quarterback even better and like when you ask C.D. Lamb and as good as he is for me he's a two receiver as opposed to a one and it, so they haven't put the right players around and um, I, I like Dak I think he's a quarterback but I mean last night was a big opportunity for him if he had a one that came last night he's moved up to another level and like the Cowboys are kind of at a standstill they keep hitting the division around but they can't get beyond that and we see that time and time again with teams they just can't seem to get over the line no matter who the quarterback is Colin, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think Dallas will actually retain Dak? Do you think he can be saved? Do you think there's a way they can build a team around him? Do you think he's going to be at the Broncos next year? Tell me, tell me, tell me. 
Uh, well, he, the, the Cowboys are in a similar situation to uh, the Russell Wilson situation in that he he is there. He's he's definitely there. The the dead cap would be ninety million uh, if you try to to move off of it. Um, but the cap hits for the next couple of years are the issue. Like he's fifty million against the cap uh, in twenty twenty three, um, and he's fifty two million against the cap in twenty twenty four. Um, now the dead cap in in twenty twenty four is forty million, so you you could save. Uh, I suppose uh, twelve million there if he weren't to perform next year. But I think that's an interesting one because I I think I get I can understand Cowboys fans' frustrations in in ways, but I think part of it is done by the media because a lot of the media guys are just obsessed with Dak and and refuse to kind of acknowledge that he makes mistakes. Like if you had a QB who threw as many interceptions on other QBs as Dak did. They would rightly get criticism, but Dak is kind of immune to it. And even last night, it was like after the Cowboys lost, like there was this mourning and this unwillingness and like people kind of refusing to acknowledge that Dak had had uh, a part uh, to, to play in all of that. So I think it's somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's anywhere near as good as he's made out to be in the media. And I don't think he's nearly as bad as some Cowboys fans would have you believe. They have overpaid. It's what goes back to what Brian said. Like you, you over. They've overpaid for a good quarterback. He's not a. He's not a great quarterback. He he's a guy who clearly the guys in the locker room respect and and respond to, but he he's not in in the top tier. And I think um you know we will discuss this uh, I'm sure more in the divisional preview and in uh, our live show in Captain America's. I think now realistically we're in a league where Mahomes and Burrow are one and two, and then there's a gap to the next group. Um, and so that that is what you're competing against. But when you are paying guys elite level money, then how do you put the, the pieces around them? So it is a big issue for the Cowboys, but it's not just the DAC contract, it's the Z contract. And that is, uh, to me, where they're really caught. Like, there's no way Z can be on that team next year. And it probably seems a bit of a threat to be saying that so early in the offseason. We're, we're not even at the offseason. The season's still on. But obviously, the Cowboys will do their evaluation over the next two weeks. And I mean, like, like, you look at the numbers next year, Z is eating another 12, 15% of the pie. And for what? Like, it's not sustainable because you're not getting the production from him. And they just have to make a hard call and can't take some dead money. But, I mean, what do you do? You pay the 15 million, for example and carry a player who's not really going to be as effective, or do you just, you know, let it go and just take six, six or seven million on the, of a day cap? He, for me, is the one that needs to go. They need to make sure to keep Pollard. You know, I maybe mean, Pollard's situation will change now as Connum's rightly called out the fact that he's now going to have a severe injury to get over. The, I think the easiest thing and safest thing will be for his agent to work out a deal with the Cowboys and have him go back to it, which I'm sure he wants to do anyway. I'm sure he wants to maintain his career with the Cowboys. Why wouldn't he? He's been really good for them. But, and for me, Zeke has to go. The pro- the problem, Brian, is the dead cap hit on Zeke is so big. Like essentially, they they the dead cap hit from what from what I see is around about twelve million next year. So this is the situation that they have put themselves in, um, and and that is the the, the crazy part of it. You know, like they gave Zeke this enormous contract, um, when when he signed when he signed it, um, so. They they could they could move off Zeke they they could 
um, but they would be eating a huge amount of dead cow. You might get a scenario where they trade them and they absorb six million and the other team picks up the six million. But then who's going to make a trade for a seat? Bearing in mind what they've seen on the field from over the past two years. Maybe Buffalo might. What the hell that? Like some of them, some of them might, some of them might think uh, if you get him in, in their offense as a second runner back, he might be very effective, we'll say. He might be in Carolina later on next year. You never know. <laughs> I, I just don't even know anymore. It's just been one of those weeks where it's just been, it's been crazy football. Uh, Brian, you were the one, the ultimate winner this week. You had all games pegged. Congratulations. Mark is not here to take the piss out of you, but I'm saying congratulations. Although I did think you were flip-flopping and you did go to the Giants because when I was making the pick, no, I didn't. have to correct it. <laughs> no, no. Watch oh, the show. Watch the show. That's 10 for 10 in the playoffs. I'm all for it. Only, it's only the regular season was playoff picks I'd be fine. Don't forget that the team is on the road this week. We are doing a live show from our sponsor, PointBet, um, this week on Thursday night in their office. And then, Brian, where are we going to be on Friday? Oh, Colin can't wait for Friday. He gets to spend a bit of quality time with me again. We're in Captain America's Friday night. I don't think there's many tickets left, Christine. I think it's only a handful. Three, if I'm right. Two. Three tickets still. And imagine the them tickets will go by Friday. If not, we'll have to invite some VIPs in to manage those good seats at the front. Yeah, and they're looking forward to Friday night. It's been a while since we've done a live show together and uh, to be a lot to talk about we'd have to have a chat with Mark when he returns from his his um, nice trip out in Santa Clara but um, two really good games to preview this weekend and obviously we're going to get into some off-season stuff now that kind of it's dwindling now in terms of how many teams are left but a couple of tickets left Captain America's Eventbrite maybe we'll put up the we'll be, I'm sure we'll be pushing it throughout the course of the week of course we will of course we will and just a reminder based on the fact that we are going to be on the road there will be no live show on Friday night streamed onto YouTube at that particular time at 9 o'clock however everyone will be back with their own thoughts and comments for sure over the next few days on the playoff games this Sunday coming which no doubt will be amazing Brian you're going to say something the, 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 point, the points bet show on Thursday will air at the weekend we haven't agreed what time it's going to go out but um we have some really good guests coming onto that show, so it is worth saying. And obviously, then people get to figure out who we're picking. I have a funny feeling now who Colin's picking already, but um, we'll be interested to see come the weekend. But no, that show will be aired at the weekend. Cool. So, from all of us today, remember if you see Mark and you, you know that he's alive and he's wearing a Pats jersey, not a 49ers jersey, get in touch with Pats Nation. Thanks everyone for watching. We'll see you guys soon. <laughs>